When I was 11 years old, I had the dubious privilege of going to a boarding school um, in the hills of South India. And um, when I went to that boarding school, I had grown up in Bombay, as it was called then. I had a very thick accent. I had a fat nose that I still gloriously have. But I also had a very fat bottom lip. So my lip kind of curled out like that. Um, and that's because I had this weird thing called tongue thrust. I don't know why I tell you these stories, but <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest thing. I just, for, for all those years, anytime I was distracted or, no, or not doing anything much, my tongue would stick out between my two lips, just like, like that. And so that forced my, my lip to kind of go, uh, to stick out. So needless to say, boarding school, I was set up for teasing and bullying, right? That was, I was ready for that. One day I wrote a letter to my parents, and I have it here, um, not the original of course, but this is the actual letter that I wrote to my parents, and I'm going to try and read my handwriting. So this was um, about three months after I got to boarding school. Uh, it says here, Hi, uh, dear mum and dad, how are you? Well, I'm fine, and now I am an ordinary boy. I don't know if that actually ever happened, but I'll tell you what I mean. It's good news. And then I go on to explain a little bit about how a couple of my friends became Christians uh, that week. And then I go on to say, um, after praying with them, I went, to, I went uh, back to bed and there I put all my faith in God, and I prayed that my tongue thrust would go and my lip would become better. Proper, sorry. <laughs> well, after that, I felt the curve on the, my bottom lip, and sure enough, my lip was better. I wasn't sure about my tongue thrust, but it was much easier for me. Now, though, every now and then, I do three and stop. I'm not quite sure what that means, I think, anyway. Well, I went to the toilet to show my friends, and well, they said it was 10 times better. In the morning, I checked, and it was better, but I kept thinking it was the devil who made it proper. Theologically questionable there. Uh, every time my hand lifted on to feel it. The next day, I told Ruthie and Bethy, my sisters who were also in boarding school, and during Friday lunchtime, a boy in the A-levels who is really tall and a good Christian, brackets, I mean tall because he is six foot five, just explaining that to my parents. Well, well, he finished up my doubt, and so that night I made up a song which goes like this, I will never doubt, I will never doubt, for the Lord has done to me a miracle. <laughs> and then I go on. Anyway. I read that because that was just, at the age of 11, I experienced the power of God for myself through healing. And over the next uh, few couple of months, uh, on our run up to Christmas, we're looking at a series on the kingdom of power. So the whole year we've been looking at the kingdom of God and for this series we're gonna look at a kingdom of power. We're gonna look at the power for healing, the power to go uh, through suffering, the power of spiritual gifts, salvation and freedom. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. 
What I'd love us to do, as you're fully aware, is I'd love for us to um, turn to our Bibles. So if you've got your phones, your Bibles, if you, don't have, uh, if you have a smartphone and you don't have a Bible app, now is a good time to download it. I'd love for you to turn with me, um, and then I would love for us to also stand as we read uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, when you found it, when I found it, Gary eats pie and chips or potato chips. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. There you go. There's an easy way to remember. Uh, Gary eats potato chips. Now you know. And I'm going to, I'll read, but read along with your uh, app or Bible uh, as we read verses 18 to 23. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Now two things very briefly to note. One is Caris did not know I was preaching from this verse when she read it out. And secondly, this is not my Bible. Um, So just FYI, this is my wife's Bible. I have an ESV. We use the NIV ENTS. I have these lovely, uh, nothing wrong with men having these sorts of Bible, but I'm just saying. Just saying. Now in this passage, you can see that Paul is struggling to put into words just how powerful God is, right? We see these words. He says, he says he's, it's immeasurable, it's incomparable, it's far above all dominion and all rule, for not just for this age, but for, and he goes on. And what I'd like us to do is just take a moment, just to close your eyes and imagine or picture You've seen those pictures of the universe, right? There's this far out and the galaxies. So just close your eyes and picture the galaxies, picture the universe. And God made that. And God could collapse the entire universe in a moment if he so choose to. Trillions of light years can be condensed in a second if God decided that's what he wanted to do. That's how powerful our God is. You may open your eyes. We're not going to deep dive into this passage, but we're going to lay some foundation for this series on kingdom power. And what I'd love for us to do is just to keep our Bibles open. 
because there's lots of passages that we're going to look at. You see, the power of God was a promise from the old covenant. In Ezekiel chapter 36, God says that I will give you a new spirit. I will give you my spirit. It's a promise of his power. The same in the book of Joel. He says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. In the Old Testament, we would see the Spirit of God on some people at some points of time. But in the New Testament, in the new covenant, the covenant that Jesus established, the Spirit of God is there for all people at all time if we believe. There was an expectation that the arrival of the Messiah and the arrival of the kingdom of God was also connected with the pouring out of the Spirit of God. For a Jewish mind, that's, they would have made that connection because of the promises that they would have read. And those two were intertwined. And turn with me to Luke chapter 4. And the writer Luke is at pains to make this point as well. So Luke chapter 4, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know this, this chapter well. This is about Jesus is being uh, tempted in the wilderness and he's there for 40 days. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, etc. Now we bookend it and we go to the end of that sort of episode in verse 14. And it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Then again, verse 18, which again, we, we didn't know we were going to read this, but the Spirit of the Lord is on me. So when Jesus announces his ministry and he's here, starts with the Spirit of the Lord. You see, the writer is t- taking great pain to show that what Jesus did through his ministry was because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in him. Because Jesus was fully human, just like you and I. He was, yes, fully God, but he was fully human. And he needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 1. The passage that we read in verse 19 to 20. It says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. So what is that power? That power Well, turn to Romans chapter 8. I said we'd be doing a lot of turning or swiping or flicking, but Romans chapter 8, which is written by the same author, so Paul wrote Romans, and verse 11 says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Do you see the connection that the same author is making? Ephesians 1, it says, he exerted the power he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And here he tells you who that is. That was through the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. And where is that Holy Spirit living, according to Romans 8.11? In us. Isn't that great news? The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And when Paul says, and if the Spirit, it's a very rhetorical question, right? The Spirit is 
living in us, the spirit that raised, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that immeasurably incomparable great power is living in each one of you who believe. So we need the spirit to give life to our mortal bodies, but why else is this important? Well, let me try and explain with an analogy that I hope will be helpful. Now, the last time I preached, I talked very embarrassingly about thinking about bringing out my guns, right? For those of you that remember that. Now, today I am bringing out the guns, but thankfully, not mine, these are my children's guns, all right? And also not real guns, in case somebody's listening to this on the podcast and wondering, wait, what's going on? Um, These are water guns, of course. And so, let me explain. You see, we were made, like Adam and Eve, we were made to carry the Spirit of God, right? We were made to have the Spirit of God in us. So just clarifying, water, Spirit of God, this is us. Just making sure we're all on the same page this morning. And when God created Adam and Eve, it says he breathed life into him. He breathed his spirit into them. And they had the spirit of God in him. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, they essentially failed to trust God because they believed the the serpent instead of believing God. And in failing to trust God, they broke that relationship. That's what happens when you stop trusting someone. The relationship breaks. And they rejected him who is life. They rejected him who is life. And if you break a relationship with life, you end up with what? Death. Okay? So that's where we got to. But we also... Now, this water gun, if I point it at Priscilla... Actually, I'm going to point it at Hudson just in case. (laughs) Don't want to be sleeping on the sofa this, this morning. Now, if I point this to Hudson, does it work? Does it do what it's meant to do? No, right? It has lost, because I've emptied it, it is, it's just an air gun that's pretending to be a water gun. It has lost its identity, and it is unable to fulfill its purpose, because it does not have water in it. Without the gun, it cannot do. And the same with us. If we do not have the spirit of life in us, we lose our identity and we lose the purpose for which God has called us. You see, but through Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus paid the dues so that the relationship could be restored and he broke the power of death and sin We can afresh receive a deposit of the Holy Spirit in us. So the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14, if you're still there, it says that we have been given the seal of God's promise, which is the Holy Spirit. So when we believe and we trust in what God has done for us, we receive the seal of the Holy Spirit and we receive that life once again. All right. So, empty, got some water. Anybody, can anybody tell me the difference between these two guns? Anybody notice any differences whatsoever? 
What's that? No? Okay. The only difference between this one and this one is that hopefully this one could, should work if it was fuller. Pour it down. Ah, there we go. See, Hudson's even encouraging me to shoot him with, with if it will get there. There we go. It's getting there. Whew. Just about. Clearly, these, I needed better guns. But the difference between that is the fact that one has water in it and the other doesn't. And you ask the question, well, what's the difference? If I was to say to you, what is the difference between somebody who is a Christian and a believer in Jesus and somebody who isn't? What would you say? Some of us might say, well, maybe they, Christians love more. Maybe, is it love? Is love the differentiating factor? Is generosity the differentiating factor? Is kindness the differentiating factor? Is serving a differentiating factor? Is the fact that we, some people smoke, Christians don't smoke and others do? None of those things are distinguishing factors between a Christian and a non-Christian. I know Christians who are far kinder, far more generous, far more loving. Uh, no, wait. I know non-Christians who are far kinder, loving, generous, better behaved, better, stronger morals than Christians. So what on earth is the distinguishing factor? The only distinguishing factor is whether or not you've got the spirit of life or you're empty. Now, the spirit of life in us should influence our generosity, should influence our behavior, should influence how we love people, how we serve people. That's what leads to that. You see, Christians, we get so stuck in our moralistic religion that we think Christianity is about being better, working harder, and all those things. But it's not. It's about living in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit who enables us to do those things. There's a quote from uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, if this can come up on the screen. It says, the Christian life, after all, is a life, it is a power. That is the thing we so constantly tend to forget. It is not just a philosophy. It is not just a point of view. It is not just a teaching that we take up and try to put into practice. It is all that but it is something infinitely more. The very essence of the Christian life is that it is a mighty power that enters into us. It is a life that is pulsating in us. That is the very essence of the Christian life. And we forget so often, I've forgotten, I'm only reading this because I've been, been having to prep this. But so often we get stuck in the thinking that it's a philosophy. It's a point of view. It's a worldview. It's a teaching. It's practices. It's dogma. It's a list of rules of do's and don'ts. It's, it's all those things. But fundamentally, it is a life with a mighty power inside of you and me. You see, we now have a deposit of the Holy Spirit. 
and I'm getting this stage very wet. We have a deposit of the Holy Spirit, if you can see that. Now, is this gun full? No, it's not full. Thank you, Lanry can see that. It's not full. And that's why it didn't work very well the first time round. And Hudson has escaped, but hopefully he's coming back, and hopefully this is going to work. Sorry, Hudson is my son, just for people who don't know. Um, I'm not just squirting random kids, although that would also be fun. But uh, <laughs> um, you see, we have been called to enjoy, express, and extend the kingdom of God. We have co- been called to be people who make an impact. We have been called. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, We have been called to live according to our identity and our purpose. But we cannot do that effectively if we are not full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself needed to be full of the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus needed to be full of the Holy Spirit, the Lord knows I need to be. Why do I expect that I can go about expressing, extending, and enjoying the kingdom of God if I'm not full of the Holy Spirit? Now, in the grace of God, he allows us to do that. But we struggle through it, and it's frustrating. We need the power of God in every aspect of our lives. We need the power of God for relationships. Are relationships easy? No. We've just got Harrison and Rebecca. I'm going to embarrass you. They've just come back from getting married and honeymoon. Many of you don't know them. Now, they're smiling today. Talk to them in six months. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But relationships are not easy. We need the power of God for relationships. We need the power of God to love people who are difficult to love, to love people that are different from us. We need the power of God for wisdom, to make wise choices, whether that's for businesses or that's in what choice should I make for my next year in in terms of schooling or career. We need the power of God for dealing with difficult situations, for trials, for sicknesses, for saying no to sin and yes to righteousness. We need the power of God for boldness in sharing our faith with one another, with people who don't know Jesus. And we need the power of God for signs and wonders. Whatever you do in life, you and I need the power of God. We're not going to be able to make an impact if we're empty. Now you might say, well actually is that not just for the super spiritual? Well turn with me back again to Ephesians chapter 1. Our passage, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. I had put some water somewhere but I didn't bring it with me. It says... And his, uh, yeah, verse 19, and his incomparably great power, there's a glass there, that's fine. Incomparably great power for who? For For the elders? Incomparably great power for the super spiritual? For those who have read their Bible through? For those who have been a Christian more than two weeks? Who is it for? For us who? Believe. That is the only qualifier for receiving and living in the power of God. For us who believe. 
If you believe on Jesus Christ this morning, that power is for you. Now, does that mean that you can do what you like and just like have a little bottle of magic potion and it's like, I've got a little cup of the Holy Spirit just here. A bit like Asterix from Asterix and Oblix, if you know that. No. A while ago, I had gone camping with the kids and we'd bought some um, water guns that were slightly bigger than this and we were at an inlet and we were filling water from the inlet, but the inlet was very, the water was very, very mossy and had lots of seaweed. And so the seaweed and the moss also got into the little canisters. What do you think happened? It got blocked. It got blocked. And so we had to throw those guns away because they weren't of any use. Purity is not a qualifying factor. But sin is a limiting factor. And if you allow sin to come into your life and you constantly fill up your heart and your mind with things that are of sinful things, you will struggle to live in the fullness of your identity and purpose in Christ. Now you might say, I've never seen this power before. I'm going to tell you, if, and I would say, you have. If you've been through significant trials and you've come out the other end, you've seen the power of God. If you've seen broken relationships restored, power of God. If you've made wise decisions, power of God. If you've seen healing, power of God. If you've walked free from negative habits or addiction, power of God. If you've seen miraculous provision, power of God. That's the Holy Spirit working in and through you. But we also want to see signs and wonders, right? We want to see God doing more stuff. We want to see people healed. And you might think, well, who's, that's just for special people. But actually, let me tell you a couple of stories before we end about ordinary people from this church who have seen God do amazing things. So a few years ago, I decided to try this thing called treasure hunting. And this is a spiritual treasure hunt. And with treasure hunting, you essentially hear from God, you have a treasure map, as you can see on the back, and you, we sat in our living room in Westbourne, and this was just guys from various people who thought, yeah, why not, let's do something crazy, let's see if God can use us in a crazy way, and so we sat down and we just heard from God, and then we would just write according to these different categories. So we wrote names down. If a name came to our mind, we would write that down. If a location came to mind, we would write it down. If there was a, an appearance, we would write it down, how somebody looks, etc., etc. And we wandered off, and we had a number of these clues for these treasures. So we wandered down into the town center, and I'll tell you one story. So Somebody had the location Debenhams. What was Debenhams is now Bobby's Debenhams. So we went and hung around Debenhams like some weird loitering teenagers. And, but we also had a, a, an appearance. We had a lady with blonde hair and glasses. Now you're like, this is England. There's lots of ladies with blonde hair and glasses. And it's a Saturday. And, you know, ladies like shopping. So Debenhams. So, you know, it's like, okay, that's a bit of a stretch. But... We saw this lady standing outside Debenhams, not moving, just sat and standing there with blonde hair and glasses. So we go up to her and we said to her, um, we're on a treasure hunt and we think you might be our treasure. She looked at us weirdly, as you would. And then we said to her, is your name Sarah? And you could see her mouth just drop. Never met her before. Her name was Sarah. 
And so we were able to explain that sometimes God speaks to us and God wanted, him to, wanted her to know that he loves her and we got to pray for her. There was another lady we had um, in appearance. We had somebody who was um, old, uh, gray hair, carrying shopping bags. Come on, it's Saturday in Bournemouth. You know, you're going to see tons of those, right? But we saw this lady and we chased after her without trying to scare her too much. And we stopped her and we said the same thing. We're on a treasure hunt. We think you might be the treasure. Is your name Anne? It was Anne. And as we chatted with her, we found out that her husband of about 30 years had died a week ago. And we were able to pray with her, and we were able to just say, this is God knowing your pain, and he is watching you. And there are numerous stories like that that I could tell you. These are just ordinary people from church. There's Ben Thompson. Some of you will know Ben Thompson in Southbourne. Ben Thompson is probably the most introverted person you will ever meet. And yet, Ben can tell you stories of him going by himself to Poole High Street, walking up to big security men, sharing the gospel of Jesus, praying for them, and seeing them healed. That's the power of God. He's an ordinary guy. I know somebody here in this church in this, who's going through a major health diagnosis. You won't even know. Because he says... If faith, what's the point of a faith if it doesn't help me get through times like this? That's the power of God at work in his life. You see, we won't always see power. We won't always see healing. We went to, um, uh, the other day, I, I went to knock on my neighbor's door. I hadn't seen them for a while. I usually see them out and about. Hadn't seen them, so I went to say, you know, how are you guys doing? What's happening? They invited me into their house, and we sat down, and they started talking about how the wife has a chest infection, and the doctors don't know what's wrong. They've done tests, but they just can't. It wasn't going. So we chatted about various things, and at the end of when I had to leave, I said, can I pray for you? Now, I'd never had a spiritual conversation with them. I'd never told them I was a Christian. But they were like, yeah, okay. So I prayed. I prayed for healing. She's not been healed. That's okay. They still experienced the power of God because I was there and able to pray in the name of Jesus. And it will open up other conversations. You see, our role is not necessarily to worry about what does or doesn't happen. Our role is to live in the fullness of the Spirit and step out in faith and see what God does. That's all. We're relieved from that. Isn't that amazing? So how do we get full of the Holy Spirit? Very quickly. Verse 18 in Ephesians 1, Paul says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that over this coming series that in increasing measure you would see that God's power is here for you. May your hearts be enlightened. Turn very quickly to Luke 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 11 to 13. Jesus is saying, he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? A very strange father, of course. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Very random, Jesus. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask. 
and ask again because you see, when we live in the fullness of our identity and purpose, we, we're spraying Hudson, right? And eventually if we spray people and we're blessing people and we're fighting against the powers of darkness, this gets empty. It needs to be filled again. It needs to be filled again. We can't live off yesterday's fullness. We need a new filling. We need to ask God again and again and again. Be persistent and then step out. In John 14, 12, these are the hardest verses I think we believe in Scripture. What does Jesus say? He says, you will do what I've done and even greater things. Even greater things than Jesus? I really struggle to believe that. That's what Jesus himself said. And I think he was telling the truth. So this matters. Imagine what your neighborhood will look like, your families, your con- this, this conurbation would look like if we lived in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If you were a testimony to the peace and the strength through trials, if you brought prophetic words or words of knowledge to your neighbors and you prayed for them, if you showed radical generosity because you trusted in the goodness of of God to provide for you, if you saw your neighbors healed or people healed, if you had boldness to share your faith with your colleagues, what would this city look like? What would your neighborhood, your, your, your colleagues, your family look like? Imagine what our lives and the lives of those around would look like if we lived more fully in the power of the Spirit. Over the next few months, may our eyes be opened to the immeasurably great power that is for us who believe. Amen.